All right, this is uh, Christopher McCurry, English teacher at Lafayette High School, and I'm here with Donnie Piercy, Kentucky Teacher of the Year for 2021, uh, Stonewall Elementary School teacher, and we're going to have a conversation about what it's been like to be Kentucky Teacher of the Year and equity. So welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate you bringing me on the show. Um, so yeah, my name is Donnie Piercy. I teach uh, fifth grade in Lexington, Kentucky in, in Fayette County. Um, I've been teaching for, this is year, I always forget, so it's, I usually say it's year 15 or 16, started in 2007. Um, I've only ever really taught uh, elementary school in Kentucky, fourth and fifth grade, worked in Woodford County for a while, worked in Eminence, Kentucky for a while, and then uh, when my wife and I decided to have another child uh, three and a half years ago, um, realized that, you know, the long commute just wasn't really worth it or fair with a new baby coming. So found a job here in, in Fayette County in Lexington, and I've been working at uh, Stonewall Elementary for the last four years. So, yeah. Well, I'm super stoked to have you here on the show, the first ever episode. Yeah, I'm of... thinking the live audience, too. Oh, That's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Woo, Donnie! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the first uh, question I want to ask is, uh, do you always wear interesting socks? Because right now you have... Uh, oh, it looks to be fry socks. So on. these are my. So when I'm yeah. So we're recording this on Tuesday, December. What is seventh? Seventh. That's Pearl Harbor Day. Actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, I but, didn't know that. Um, but no, I usually I am wearing my 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 Friday. These are my French Friday socks. Uh, but yeah, I usually I don't know. We had a um, a few years ago at Stonewall. We had a uh, a clothes drive. Um, just for socks. Like we talked to the Lexington Rescue Mission. We said, what do y'all need? They said socks. Um, and we collected thousands of, of pairs. So much so that the Rescue Mission ended up giving like a bunch to like some of the teachers who helped collect. So I do have a lot of goofy socks <laughs> from fun. like Super Mario socks to even this past summer picked up a pair of Space Camp socks. Oh, excellent. Which is, yeah, they're limited yeah. edition. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's cool. I yeah. got a pair, my re most recent pair of socks was for giving blood. Okay. So I must, it's a thing. I Crimson guess. color, yeah. I'm guessing. Or, yeah. I'm, I'm just impressed that they're matching. I mean, here, this, this uh, close to the end of the so, semester. So shout out to my wife, who, um, <laughs> who, who, do, who does, you know, we try to avoid stereotypical gender roles in our household, but she is always on top of it with laundry. I see. Um, That's and, good. And enjoys matching my, my, my socks. So Excellent. Well, uh, talk to me a little bit about the uh, road to becoming Kentucky Teacher of the Year. And I guess I mean by that, like, what were the things that made you stand out as a leader in education? Yeah, so it, it's weird, right? So this is year, like I said, 15, 16 for me. And uh, I got nominated by uh, a parent um, back in 2000, uh, I guess it would be the, the spring of 2020. Um, you know, and I, the, I guess the parent was enjoying some of the things I was doing with her child. Her child was really, really anxious about fifth grade and you know I was I, I guess she liked what I was doing and um, you know nominated me went through the whole process and ended up winning along with you uh, in October <laughs> of, of that year um, and so you know the journey's been been kind of it's been interesting right so I started in 2007 um, and my, my first classroom I had a, a blackboard and like an overhead projector with a vis-a-vis -vis like what a race marker like those oh, yeah. kinds you know it's like you go home every day and you're just covered in this ink <laughs> yeah. right at the end of every day 
Um, the year after that, I ended up getting a like a projector and a whiteboard, like a real whiteboard, Ooh. right? Yeah, stepping <laughs> up my game. A uh, year after that, the iPad came out, ended up getting one for my classroom. Then the district ended up investing in iPads. We ended up getting five. Um, then they ended up getting a cart, which kind of turned into like a battle royale every morning to see who can get the iPad cart. Oh, right, and yes. It's kind of evolved into like smart boards and Chromebooks and kind of like you mentioned, like I've just, you know, I, I don't have any formal training with using technology in the, you know, I've, I've yeah. I, I like to say I've never really taken a, a college level prep class on, yeah. um, you know, here's how you successfully implement technology in the classroom. Um, but I've just been always told that I just kind of have a, a knack for it. Um, and really, I kind of look at myself as like, uh, you know, Bill Murray in Groundhog Day when he's really not that smart. He's just kind of done it 10,000 times. Yeah. So he's just, he's just kind of figured it out. And with, uh, you know, using technology, this is kind of in what I've, I've been known for, mm-hmm. right? You know, just kind of always, as my friend Molly says, like living in beta, like always kind of <laughs> looking for kind of that next new thing. And yeah. some of it might end up taking off like Chromebooks did mm-hmm. um, back in 2013 or 2012, 2013. Um, and some of it might end up, you know, just completely <laughs> taking a nosedive like Google Glass did. Okay. Um, and did you use that in your classroom or try I did actually, oh, yeah. Oh, cool. we, ended up, um, <laughs> we ended up getting a pair actually through UK. Um, they, they no longer work, but ended up yeah. getting a pair through UK. And uh, I had this like brilliant idea that, you know, I was going to, you know, become a Google Glass explorer, right? Okay. Um, and uh, it was just going to be, it was, my original plan was to have me like documenting my day, wearing these <laughs> computer that you wore on your face. <laughs> Um, and just kind of recording, uploading, and kind of doing it that way. And then I realized after like a day, the students just, they, they kind of lost interest because they weren't the ones that were being involved in it, right? right. Instead, it was me just saying, hey, look what I have. Um, so I ended up putting in my class store the ability to be a Google Glass Explorer, where the students could use some of their imaginary funds that they could use to okay. wear the Google Glass for a day. And it brought a whole new perspective to huh. it. Okay. Right? Where the students felt like, even though the idea of Google Glass, like, you know, it, it, it was definitely uh, <laughs> baby steps, maybe in the wrong direction. Right. But my, my students still kind of felt like they were living in the future. That's cool. A little bit, right? And it definitely gave me some interesting perspectives on, um, you know, what the future of educational technology could look like. Um, and, you know, sometimes what it shouldn't look like. Yeah. Well, so uh, the class store... And imaginary funds. It sounds like you've built in your classroom a economic ecosystem of yeah. So we <laughs> so it's so we have a, my my students get paid every week. Now I used to do it where I would have um, I had uh, you know I you know I said well schools like a job, mm-hmm. and so I said well every day that you're here you get ten dollars, and on Friday you got a check. For the amount of days that, that you were there, a physical check or direct like it was, deposit. I was doing a physical check <laughs> at the awesome. time. And, you know, we had like once a month they could use their funds for stuff. Uh-huh. You know, um, and we kind of did as like an att- attendance incentive, where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to miss out on your money. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have like personal days that they could take right. anything, so kind of <laughs> worked out that way. Um, but anyway, so then over the years, like I've just discovered some apps and things that, like you mentioned, do actually do direct deposit. Oh, My students fun. actually have like an online bank account now. Um, 
And uh, I used to do it where on Fridays at the end of the day, the, I would have my class store. Right? I used to have my class store and the, the students would, um, you know, they, they would come up and they'd show me how much money they have and I'd, you know, exchange it for like, you know, Reese's or mm-hmm. pencils or, you know, sometimes it would be privileges, like, oh, they want to go help out the art teacher yeah. for a morning. Um, nowadays, though, I've kind of taken on a, a new element to our classroom economy where, yeah, there is still some incentive there, um, but to kind of teach them a little bit more about how um, economics work. At the start of the school year, my students have to make a decision. They have to decide whether or not they want to either take out a mortgage on their seat or if they want to rent their seat for the entire year. Oh my God. Um, And it's cheaper to rent every month, but if you take out a mortgage, you can pay off your seat by the middle of the school year and you no longer have to worry about it. Okay. Um, And it's super fun because what what I haven't, what I'd never tell them is once they pay off their mortgage, they then have the freedom to purchase other students in the classes who, who are renting, and then their rent money no longer goes to me, uh-huh. and then goes to the person who owns their seat. So, okay. you know, it's kind of like this whole classroom game of Monopoly that yeah. we have going on. I was originally, I was worried when I first started doing it that, you know, it would kind of turn me in like a slumlord yeah. almost. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's actually a lot of fun. Sure. You know, the kids get into it, and you know, they they figure out very, very quickly that the more money that they save, uh-huh. um, the more interest they get each month. Yeah. It really um, encourages them to, you know, spend their money every now and again, but they don't always have to splurge. On and they're it. still spending it on the store. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, as the, some years, if I noticed that my, a lot of my students are saving money, yeah. we'll have... Um, you know, we'll do like a donation drive. We'll oh, get cool. like a whole bunch of stuff that parents and Goodwill and stuff will donate. And then we'll have like a class auction. Oh, where it's like, you know, the students will bid on who wants this hula hoop. Yeah. You know, there's always like some big prize, like a bike. You know, who wants uh, the bike, you know. Um, but it's definitely uh, kind of brings a new fun element yeah. into it where it's always just kind of something that's going on in the background uh-huh. in the classroom. I like how it evolved from like just uh, like say get this money and spend it to like build wealth. My yeah, children. yeah. Well, <laughs> well, it's funny too. Like it, you know, people, oh, did you do? Why did you make the change from from physical? Don't you want kids to like actually handle physical pretend money? You know, like you put yeah. your face on the bill, uh-huh, put uh-huh. the principal on the hundred dollar <laughs> bill, make make them feel important. And then um, the reason why I made the change was my my first year of, of teaching. Um, I was out at recess and I noticed. Like a bunch of kids were sitting around in a circle playing Pokemon, but they were betting using our fake money. Oh. So I'm like, oh, okay. So we're going we're gonna to put the kibosh on this right now and you know, put, put a stop to all that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's so fun. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, I guess I want to take a segue here. I was going to ask, like, what's it been like on, on this sabbatical side yeah. of stepping away from the classroom? And I'll get around to that. But... When we talk about money and we talk about, uh, you know, uh, accumulating wealth, we're also a little bit talking about, like, equity and yeah. how, how to make yeah. it fair and uh, our systems fair. So um, just briefly on this subject, because we're going to come back around to it, on this subject of your classroom economy, do you see any issues of, like, equity and money skills and all those things pop up? And So I think it, it starts the discussion. 
right? Yeah. So I teach elementary school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where for a lot of them, this is their first exposure to what it means to have a bank account, mm-hmm. what it means to be able to, you know, a lot of them, if you ask them, should you save or spend money, they'll know like they've had somebody in their life, might be an uncle, aunt, grandparent, who told them you're supposed to save your money, yeah. um, but they've never actually had a chance to put it into practice, right? right? So. Um, one of the reasons why I do what I do is to kind of give them that chance to see like, oh, if you save money, you have interest that accumulates and you get more money that you can spend on, you know, stuff as, as the year goes on. Um, so the issue of like equity when it comes to, to wealth in elementary school, you know, if, you just, if I just were to kind of stand at the front of the classroom and you know, ask my, ask my students, hey, who thinks that everyone should be treated fairly? Right. All their hands yeah. would go up. Right. Mm-hmm. If I were to ask them, well, what does that look like? That's where the discussions start. Right. Because for some of them, um, especially students who maybe come from homes where it might be a single parent working three jobs, they mm-hmm. just don't have um, everything that some that another student would. Um, for you know what that looks like for that student might be completely different from that student who I mean all their needs are, are taken care of. Right. So. Yeah. Um, I think it's important at the elementary school level to get that conversation started um, and really to make sure that those students' needs are, are taken care of. Um, I think when the pandemic started, and you know, this is, this is cliche, this is old hat, but you know, schools, it's, it wasn't a big shock to teachers when people started saying, hey, this, with technology, this really this seems that we've got some unfair things going on here. Mm-hmm. And that, that might be, you know, parent didn't have easy access to internet at home. Um, maybe at some schools they had seven-year-old Chromebooks and iPads that nobody's touched in nine years. Right. Um, if they had any device at all. Right. Right. You think of a lot of school districts in Kentucky where there just was no money for for, for devices, and you know when everybody went virtual, it's like okay, we're just doing packets every day until until we figure this out. Um, and so the pandemic definitely, uh, I think, exacerbated the, the issue um, where it really forced school districts, you know, I, I teach in Fayette County, but keep in mind this was all around the world, yeah. to really start to ask that question about, okay, you know, this is just a uh, technology issue right now, but it started that discussion of, okay, what other systems are in place that we need to make sure we address to make sure that every student who comes into our building, when we get back in our buildings, um, is treated fairly and equitably. Um, I, I find it's very, it was very easy for school districts, um, you know, when everyone was kind of rallying together um, at the start of the pandemic to say, oh, we're gonna make these changes, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, we're gonna you know, make sure that all the students' needs in our classrooms are taken care of. Very easy to say. Looks great on a news, you know, here's this yeah. superintendent saying this. Um, but a year and a half later, how many districts are doing that, right? right? And, and um, you know, or are you just delivering lip service, mm-hmm. saying, oh yeah, we're gonna do this, and sorry, we're hung up in board meetings, nothing's really happening. Right. Um, so I, I think that it's very important that districts go back and look and say, okay, look, a year and a half ago, or two, oh my gosh, it's only been two years, yeah. you know, what changes did you say you were going to make, and are you still moving in that direction, or, you know, do you need to reevaluate and say like, oh, wait, nothing's really changed? Yeah. It does seem like there's been a, a amnesia about, about yeah. the pandemic yeah. a little bit and the, and the 
steps forward that we were gonna take. But um, yeah, I think it's fascinating to start thinking about teaching kids the skills that are gonna make the world more equitable in a way that's really fun. Yeah, <laughs> you know, imagine like, that. Yeah, imagine right? That. Imagine that. It's only, uh, yeah. Because a lot of times at the high school level, and I don't plan on talking a lot, it's more about like, here are all the examples that it's not equitable and <laughs> the world is hard on minorities or people with lower incomes or, you know, um, who are not part of the majority. And uh, there's not a whole lot that can be done about it because, <laughs> yeah. you know. Well, and I think, too, like those students who, who are part of the majority, who have the biggest voice, um, it's important at the elementary and middle school level to make sure they know that they need to speak up mm-hmm. to make sure that if there's a student in their class or their school who is not being treated fairly, that they, that they need to know they can also advocate for that student. Yeah. Um, and I know you do a lot of work here at Lafayette with teaching students to use their voice, mm-hmm. right, to make sure that... that you know, if there's an unjust practice in place, um, to make sure they speak up and let everybody know that, hey, this, this needs to change. Um, so I, wanna, I do want to ask this. Do you ever have a student who's, like, particularly cunning and conniving and is like, I own your seat? You know, like, yeah, so that's the thing, right? So, so that's that's part of the and thing. I own your seat. Yeah, so uh, I mean that's part of the fun of it. Yeah, right. In, in a way, um, because it's not real money, right? You know, it, it's it'd be one thing if the students were shelling out thousands of dollars yeah. to yeah. to do it. Um, so you definitely go. You know, I go into it a little tongue in cheek mm-hmm. in a way, um, and that that kind of teaches because you know whether they're paying rent for their seat, it doesn't really matter where the money goes, right? And uh, I, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> sorry, yeah. um, <coughs> sorry. Uh, and I also tell the students like, hey, you know, like every purchase, I'm kind of like the NBA commissioner, mm-hmm. has to go through me. I see. And if I don't feel like it's a fair trade, mm-hmm. I can, I can, I can veto it. I yeah. Say, no, that you, you know, I know you have tenth up, but you're not going to buy every. I'm, the, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop the monopoly right for, from happening. So. Yeah, and that's and that's actually the, a good role uh, and an equitable role. Yeah, that there are yeah. people who say you know like that's not fair. Uh, so yeah. that's really great. It sounds like a fantastic. Uh, that is fun. And you know, fun. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like well, I guess we do get wrapped up too in like, well, what's the purpose? It's like the purpose is fun, and yeah. that's okay. Imagine uh, that. Yeah, yeah, fun and learning go hand in hand. Okay, so back back to this journey that you've been on this past year. Um, so you, you won the award and it was great. Uh, and, uh, you got a choice, right? To stay in the classroom and they, uh, offer you funds for the classroom or take a sabbatical. Yes. Um, and in the sabbatical you work on, well, you tell us what, what do you work on when you take the sabbatical? So uh, a few things. When I originally decided to take the sabbatical, I, I did not realize, I don't think anybody did that we were going to be thrown into the most difficult teaching year ever mm-hmm. where we had you know hundreds of teachers across or thousands of teachers across the nation you know leaving the profession because either a um, they've put in their time and they realize like okay this is I'm, I'm just going to retire mm-hmm. which frankly I understand yeah. you know if you put in 30 years uh, if you put in more than that and you're like hey this is this is really tough right now mm-hmm. um, I definitely understand that yeah um, and by the way, as a little aside, I think when this all ends, we do need to bring a lot of those teachers back and just celebrate them. Yeah. Because a lot of districts who retired, or a lot of teachers who retired in the middle of the pandemic, 
they never got a chance to kind of have that 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 party, you that know, that moment, chance yeah. to be like, hey, you know, you, you taught here forever. Here's your story. You started here. Um, so I do think it's important that if you had a teacher who retired in your school, um, and they just kind of you know deuces, yeah. uh, I do think at least invite them back. To be like, hey, we want to celebrate your, your teaching career because you know you probably didn't get the send off that that you, that, you, that you deserved for teaching for so long. And I have to admit, I just forgot the question because I was... Oh, yeah. My, my <laughs> but adult ADD, which I actually have kicked in. So, um, the sabbatical, the uh, what did that end up looking like um, for you? Um, yeah. What oh, was that's your role? Fair. So uh, having said that, I decided to kind of take the sabbatical because um, as my wife told me, when else are you going to have a chance to take six months um, and just do your thing? Yeah. And so, you know, I kind of, we found a long-term sub who's great. She taught for 17 years. You know, she had a child who had some special needs, so she took some time away and was looking to get back into classroom teaching. Um, so we kind of discovered her. Miss Gilkison has been been me for the last six months. And I'm going to be honest, I, I intentionally have not really been that involved with my class that I'll sure. be taking over again in January after my sabbatical is over. And that's kind of by design mm-hmm. um, because I didn't want there to be like a power struggle right you know I didn't want to have parents emailing me telling me stuff was going on in the classroom yeah. like I wasn't there for that right. I'm sorry um, and also helps her feel more empowered and mm-hmm. kind of get her foot back in the door but my idea behind the sabbatical was I wanted to put together a, a project that just kind of celebrates teacher creativity and my original idea was to to go around the state and interview some creative teachers like yourself um, to give you a chance to talk about some of the things that you do in your classroom, um, to kind of create a video series uh, where those videos would be shared and any teacher could watch them to be inspired, share some resources, notes, and mm-hmm. oh, cool, here's a quick 90-second video about Mr. McCurry talking about, I almost said, how do they always misspell your name? It's always... Mick Murray. Mick Murray. It's always, right. it's always Mick Murray. Yeah, even at the UK game, yeah. if I remember. Yeah, they did it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was intentionally like, it's McCurry when you go to say it. It's yeah. McCurry, and they're like, so like, nah. Yeah, we're good. We're it's good, okay. Bro. The students, it's McFlurry, so... Oh, okay. They Do they intent- ever give you McFlurries? Sometimes. No. No. They never all, like, it's Man, always like just that's a missed me. opportunity, but anyway. They might get some extra credit, but... If you're listening If you're listening yeah, to this. If you happen to stumble across <laughs> his Anchor FM channel. Oreo. Um, McFlurry, please. Well, I usually go with the Reese's, like really? the peanut butter ones. They don't have them everywhere. Really? Yeah. No, they're okay. not at every McDonald's. Um, if they're working. Because that's yeah. a whole other thing. Is the, that's right. Is the ice cream machine <laughs> working? Anyway, so decided to put this video series together, called it Teachers Passing Notes, um, and ended up creating 27 different videos about um, teachers across um, Kentucky. And I'm going to keep it going once my sabbatical ends in January. One, because I still have three interviews that I haven't put out yet. Um, and also, I, you know, it's, I, it was my baby. I got it started, and mm-hmm. it's going to turn into the place where I put kind of not only these teacher interviews, but all of my, like, slide decks and, cool. and, and you know, ideas yeah. and even, like, those random screencasts that I would do for teachers. I'm going to try to put all of those on there, too. Excellent. So, you know, if you don't want to watch a video but instead want to learn about some creative way that you can use Google Earth in your classroom, like, I'm going to have those resources on there, too. 
soon. <laughs> soon. Not, not <laughs> soon. <laughs> Maybe yeah. January when yeah, you start back January. to teaching. Let's say January. <laughs> no. We'll roll with that. <laughs> it's like, all right, so you're excited to go back to the classroom. or I am. I mean, it, it's weird, right? Because, uh-huh. yeah. um, I mean, it's, it's literally a month from today mm-hmm. when I'll be stepping. And it, yep. it'll feel like the first day of school. It will. Um, and I'm treating that first, the first week that I'm back because we start on a Monday, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I'm treating that first week back like it is the first week of school. We're, you know, we're going to do that. Who is Mr. Piercy? Mm-hmm. We're going to do the, I know some of your names, but mm-hmm. I don't know all your names. You know, a lot of those kind of back to school games. Yeah, I'm going to do those those first week of school cool. because I need to get, I need to, um, just like you would in August, I need to develop that rapport with those students. You know, yeah. I'm going to have a back to school meeting with parents where, hey, I know we did this back in August, but I didn't really get a chance to, to chat with you that much. Um, so we're going to have that one evening um, to kind of help with the transition a little bit, but also kind of ease the parents' nerves a little bit, where yeah. I get to kind of tell them a little bit about um, what these last six months of the school year are looking like. So definitely excited to go back. It'll be good to, um, you know, because the sabbatical, it's been, it's been fun. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, it's also been very strange to... You know, in a year when every, everything's hard on every teacher, mm-hmm. to be trying to share these, you know, I'm going here today, I'm going here, and then you're looking on like social media, right, you're seeing yeah. on the news, like teachers having the worst year ever. Right. So definitely looking forward to just kind of being back. I guess you could say on the front lines. Yeah. A little bit, not to use a war metaphor. But just to be <laughs> I kind of back think on. About that. I know. War is in everything. As yeah. an English teacher, well, you teach the English skills too, as well as like. Everything that we do is permeated with this language about like fighting, yeah. and yeah. I'm always like, I don't know if this is good yeah. <laughs> or not. But but it is. It does feel like you're like in the vanguard of dealing with people's emotions yeah. and trauma and angst and uh, of the pandemic when you're a teacher. So yeah. it's like it's maybe strange, not medical but I, needs. But there's part of me that kind of you know misses the good amount of healthy stress that can Mm -hmm. come from from being in the classroom yeah um ask me in six months i mean (laughs) what was i thinking yeah Yeah. the sabbatical was amazing can i take another one everyone should get one i was actually thinking about that like what what would the impact of sabbaticals be on high school teachers um but or not just well because i'm a high school teacher all teachers but um so you also during the sabbatical got to rub shoulders with some of the big wigs of Kentucky education and the government. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I got to meet the governor. Cool. Got to chat with him for a little bit about um, what the, you know, future of education could look like in the Kentucky. Definitely gave him a thanks mm-hmm. for, you know, prioritizing the safety of teachers and students. I definitely, it, it's, for me, it, you know, when I, when I got to meet Governor Bashir, definitely solidified the idea that I have no interest in ever running for public office. <laughs> because but you I'm were, definitely you were thankful. You with the idea? <laughs> definitely thankful for good leaders. Yeah. Who are, are not afraid to make those, those tough decisions that nowadays it feels like no matter what a politician says, they know they're going to piss off half the people mm-hmm. in, in their, you know, in their commonwealth or state. Um, you know, also got in October, uh, got the chance to travel to Washington D.C., um, where I got to advocate to, um, you know, uh, Congressman Barr, uh, Senator McConnell, and even 
President Biden about you know some of the things that that we as educators want to see happen in the next year. Um, we got to argue for increased teacher pay, um, increased funding to uh, STEM programs across the state through like some of the Perkins programs, um, and even as an elementary school teacher, got the chance to talk with uh, Senator McConnell's office about making sure that um, universal pre-K is, is something that's on the table. You know, I know we're talking about equity right now, but you know the idea of, of universal uh, preschool being free and, and public um, is something which would help out so many families. Yeah, that's um, equity in yeah, its purest form. Yeah, yeah. especially you, know, you think of that, that parent who's got three kids under the age of five, they're not in school yet. Mm -hmm. You know, they're could be a single parent home, double parent home, whatever. If they're trying to, to work, mm -hmm. child, I mean, you know this, child yes. care is expensive. It is. Um, and just having that option where they can send them to a high quality, you know, certified public preschool um, would be something that, that would help up so many families, would help jumpstart the economy again. Um, and more importantly, I think, provide that, that fairness, um, that and give them a heads up for school mm -hmm. yeah. when it gets started. Yeah, that's great. Um, what was it like? Me, I mean, just like emotionally meeting all um, these people. So it was kind of so you know I, I they were very nice. Cool. You know that yeah it it, it was it, it's very strange. Like you know you don't agree with every politician. It right. really doesn't matter even what side of the aisle you're on. Um, there's always going to be something that you disagree with a politician about. And if you don't, you probably should check yourself, right? Because right? you know, right. believe it or not, everybody doesn't walk on water, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but when I got the chance to meet politicians who share the, the opposite view of mine, um, they, they were willing to listen. Mm. You know, they, they were willing to listen to things I had to say, um, which I fe felt like was very important, you know? Um, and, and I felt like it was a really important lesson that, um, you know, yes, you can have a conversation with somebody without throwing daggers at them. Right. Um, you know, one of my favorite things, and, you know, I, I, Senator, and Senator McConnell's office, I just thought that this said a lot about um, who he was and kind of how he views things. Um, on his wall, he has 35 years of political cartoons about him. <laughs> And there's probably three or four dozen of them uh -huh. on the wall. Yeah. Um, and one, it kind of showed like, oh, he has a sense of humor mm -hmm. about himself. I mean, there's Turtle Man. There's all, all the stuff yeah. on there. Um, but just getting a chance, you know, even talking with, with Congressman Barr, who I don't agree with on, on many, many things. Right. Um, just getting the chance where I felt like, oh, he's, he's actually listening mm -hmm. to me right now. And I know that he might not end up voting the way that I'd want. Um, I felt like it was an important lesson to know that, oh, you know, when somebody's talking with you, you might not agree with them, but you should still give them to ear to, to share without shutting them down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I think that's helpful for everyone to hear. Yeah. I yeah. mean, no change is going to occur without a conversation. And yeah. no change is going to occur without a conversation in which two people don't believe the same thing. Yeah. Because otherwise we wouldn't need change. So, For sure, yeah. So and, you know, I, and, you know, I still have my beliefs about, you know, uh, making sure that especially students of color mm -hmm. in, in Kentucky, need there needs to be systems in place. There needs to be systematic change yeah. to, to bring that, to, to, to make sure that they have the equity that they need. Um, 
and I know every politician does not feel that way. Um, but you know, sometimes it's just finding that middle ground. You know, like I was really thankful to uh, Senator McConnell for he was very, very outspoken about you need to go get vaccinated, you need to do this, you need mm-hmm. you need go wear a mask, it'll, right. it'll be fine. Um, and you remember he went through polio. Yeah. When he was, he almost died. And if it wasn't huh. for the polio vaccine, it would have been a lot worse, right? So, yeah. um, well, like I said, I definitely don't agree with every politician. Um, a lot of the ones that I got a, a chance to meet, it was definitely, uh, it was important to, to chat with them and, and have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing that on behalf of all the teachers in Kentucky. No worries. I don't know if anyone's thanked you before you. Sounds like you represented us well. Well, I, I would like, I mean, probably the, the, the thing is, as teacher of the year that I've, I've tried to become the most outspoken about, just the idea of teacher pay, mm. you know, with, with so many teachers that are, are leaving the profession. I've, I've been trying to be really vocal about, you know, so teaching, it, it's a great profession mm-hmm. straight out of undergrad. You yeah. know, what other professions are there where you get hired, especially if you're working in, you know, like more of a, a school district with some some money, you'll be making right. forty, fifty thousand dollars a year. Um, I know that's not true for for, but you know, some wealthier states you might end up making more than that. Correct. Right out of the gate. Yeah. Um, Twenty, thirty years down the road, though, th- there's not that much of a change. Right. Um, and so I've been pretty try to be pretty vocal about you know, hey, it's great right out the gate, but you know, those teacher salary scales as you go further down the road, if you really want retention, if you want teachers to stick around. Um, you need to do some. You need to figure out a way where teachers get paid more money without going into administration or coaching, where right. those high quality teachers can stay in the classroom instead of jumping um, to uh, to another career. Not to say that there's not great principles. Right. There are. Uh, I think that coaching, especially ed tech coaches or curriculum coaches, that's an important thing that you need mm-hmm. to have in a school. Um, but I do know that there's a lot of teachers who wish that, you know, there's a lot of administrators or coaches who wish that they could stay in the classroom or guidance counselors. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the, the financial pull was just too much. Yeah, maybe just more incentive at the 10-year level, 15-year level, 5-year yeah, level. Yeah, it's like leveling like up. It's like you made it. You know? Yeah, it's, there is a small, there is a slight bump because this is my 10th year. Oh, um, yeah. Secondly, yeah. my 11th, but year one, yeah. year one is year zero in teaching, but... Um, well, it's so yeah, strange, so There's right? a slight bump, but it's yeah. not... I mean, I was stoked for it, and that's the way it feels when you are, I guess, uh, right, like, I still feel right out undergrad, even though it's 11 years. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, the, yeah. The, there's more money this year, but... Well, think of another job where you as a teacher, or you, you know, you as a professional work 10 hours a day, and you go home, and then the, the, the expectation is, oh, you're going to do grading, you're mm-hmm. going to be responding to emails, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And I think a lot of districts have tried to put a stop on that, at least by saying, oh, you know, don't mm-hmm. do work when you go home, leave at this. But there's still so many expectations that there's literally no time right. for teachers to do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if, like, how, how overtime pay could work. Yeah. I, I know, I, you know, but, <laughs> um, I know we're kind of getting into like a, yeah. a slippery slope there, but, but maybe a conversation for, um, another podcast yes. where, we, where we keep hammering all for this stuff McCurry out. too, electric yeah. bugaloo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the last question here, cause we're coming up on the 40 minute mark and I have no idea how long, um, 
this is supposed to be for your first podcast. What's the? Is how what because um, you are known for your technology use. Yes. What is the, what do you see as the role of technology in equity? Um, so we talked a little bit about it, or it was mentioned like when the district had to transition. But now that we're back in the classroom, you know, um, how do you see? Do you see technology being an important tool for closing achievement gaps for um, helping lower income students? you know, advance to a higher, you know, social tier in some way after yeah. like so so what are you seeing? I think so <laughs> this is this is a whole college you know <laughs> this is a whole college level course we could talk about. Yeah. But, um I, I think one the idea of access, right? Giving uh, not only giving students access to the information, um, but teaching them how they can use it to to advance and better themselves. because um, every student knows how to go to YouTube. Every mm-hmm. student knows how to you know, do a, do a search for, I don't know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and find that, that paragraph. Um, but teaching students how to use the tools to um, connect and better themselves, I feel like that's kind of the next step. That's kind of the next thing that's going to happen mm-hmm. with, with technology. You know, back in March of 2020, you know, teachers had two weeks to figure out kind of the basics. Like mm-hmm. all of those... You know, all those PDs that they've been going to for years where they might have taken a little note. It's like, oh, crap, I need (laughs) – now I have to know, like, how do I make a live stream? How do I share a Google Doc? How do I put a website together? Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of teachers now have that that base level of of skill when it comes to using these tools. Like, they know how to share a Google Doc now. They know how to create a mailing list. You know, and I know there's still some teachers who are figuring it out, but they are a thousand times better than they were – back then um, so I think step one is starting to say like okay now that we have this base level skill like where do we go from here are we going to just keep using um, a Chromebook as a substitute for something that you could do the same as pencil and paper right um, you know you just kind of have ooh, now you're having kids type it instead of handwriting <laughs> it. yeah well guess what you know I, I, I in my classroom I have my students handwrite the first draft of every single thing Every single piece that we do, because mm-hmm. the pencil's not going away. Right. You know, there's still something to, um, you know, it's almost like a sabbatical. You have to slow yourself. It's almost like a sabbatical. You slow yourself down to, to write, to think, to process. And then you can write it on the final draft and do that collaboration that mm-hmm. we kind of put together. Um, but I think it, it's important that teachers start to ask themselves, how can I use all this technology that I now have the base level on? to start to redefine um, the learning that takes place in my classroom. You know, are you using a tool like Google Earth to not just have students like know what the seven continents are or to know where Japan is on a map? Well, are you having them like figure out where that is, maybe what schools like are there, how, you know, the people and the culture in this country is different from the cultures that we have here in central Kentucky? Um, You know, are you using technology to augment or bring something new into your classroom? Um, are you modifying a lesson based off of like this new tech, this three design, this 3D design tool yeah. that you found to kind of give students more voice and choice um, when it comes to using technology? Um, and, and I feel like that's, that's step one. Um, step two is making sure that every student has access yeah. to it. And that's kind of the equity piece, right? Because it's, 
if you're in the classroom and you're showing students all this amazing stuff, but then they go home and they don't have internet access, they don't have, you know, they, they and it's not, you know, the solution is not, oh, just give them a, a router that they mm-hmm. could use, you know, give them, have you tried some of those? Like <laughs> being able to stream or upload a YouTube right. video is painfully slow, right? right? So there, there's definitely some discussions there about, you know, should high-speed broadband be something that, you know, becomes, uh, if people need it, becomes a fed, you get money from the government to get, I mean, mm-hmm. 5G or, sorry, um, high-speed Wi-Fi, should that be a, uh, a right by this point that you have? Yeah. You know, should that be something that you just, you just have access to? Um, so there's definitely some discussions there that, that I think a lot of districts need to keep having um, to make sure that, you know, the technology uh, stuff that we're using, it's, it's not just, oh, look, we've got smart boards, we've got yeah. this, we've got that. Well, cool. How are you changing your instruction to make sure that every student in your classroom has a fair shot? Yeah. Well said. Thank you so much for your time. We're coming in here at 40 minutes of conversation, which... I uh, very much enjoyed it. Makes me want to do more podcasts. Do you want to plug your podcast if you're still working on it? Yeah, your social media handles and um, all that good stuff. Thousands of listeners who end up downloading this later. Uh, So I do run a a podcast. We're actually on year four this year, episode eighty-two. Congrats! Congrats! Um, It's called Partial Credit. You can look us up at partial dot credit. We were very. We were originally going to do partialcredit.com. And then we learned that you can buy dot credit oh, domains. That's so fun. We are partial dot credit. We <laughs> talk about everything from, uh, you know, ish, we're, we figure we're the only podcast that can talk about issues like this of equity in education, but also, you know, sometimes we go the pop culture route and talk about like, okay, if you're going to draft a school staff <laughs> of characters from 1980s movies, like who's your top pick? Well, Right, yeah. Um, so we have a lot of fun with that. Uh, you can definitely look us up. Like and, you know, like and subscribe. We're mm-hmm. on just about every single streaming service. So. All right. And how do we find you personally? Uh, sure. So uh, the easiest way, I'm on Twitter at Mr. Piercy, M-R-P-I-E-R-C-E-Y. Um, I'm also on <laughs> Instagram. and All the other ones, stuff. too. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. All right. Deuces. Take care.